Hi. Wow. I can't believe that we are almost through this first season, but the intro stays the same. If you want to help keep this show and others like it possible, uh, consider going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. This is a part of a whole network of listener-supported podcasts, and we are ad-free and uh, listener-supported specifically because of listener support. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, and I thank you for taking the time. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books. My name is Cole Ross, and today to talk about Chapter 4 of The Gunslinger, The Slow Mutants, I am joined by Braden Cameron. Hello. Also by Brian, a.k.a. Dr. Static. How's it going? Yeah. And by uh, Stephen Veyu. Hey, Stephen. Hello. Yeah, thanks so much for, uh, for 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 hopping on. We are continuing the uh, the trend of having a couple of couple of new voices in here. Um, you know, at least for for the episode, people will know Braden from uh, from the Teenage Dirtbags podcast and also the pitch of the pitch industries. A, a, a luminary, I think, is uh, is safe to say. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, like we like we usually do, why don't we get started with? What you drinking? Uh, oh, you want? I'll start. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just, start. I'm just drinking water. I really, I have a Goose Island uh, Bourbon County Stout down or downstairs, and I was mm-hmm. gonna drink that, but I'm saving it. So. Okay. So just yeah. water for me. Uh, I'm drinking a Divergent Sour Ale from Rivertown, a local Cincinnati brew. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Divergent is it tied into that uh, young adults uh, novel oh. <laughs> series? Is it like uh, is it a brand? Is it that branded? Oh, that's who those people are on the label. That's weird. <laughs> those really beautiful people. Yeah, these beautiful people are tasty. Uh, <laughs> how about you, Brian and Stephen? Anything? We're not going to do this every time. This is just a, this is this is a patented teenage dirtbags crossover. Well, well, yes. Cole, I'm glad you asked because I. I'm drinking a Winco brand purified drinking water, Ooh. which helpfully Ooh, wow. tells me that it's BPA free. I'm not exactly sure what that acronym <laughs> means, but I know it's not in my water. I think it's the stuff that gives you cancer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. yeah it's just, that's just the one thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they isolated. The only one. And Steven, I don't want to leave you out. Um, I have a coffee and water. Unfortunately, I don't think my, I think my water has the cancer stuff in it. Ah, so. shit. Oh, the, it'll probably on the label, it's, I bet, as yeah, well. Yeah, you should have, you should have gone with the Winfield brand. They're, they're not, not sponsoring us for this crap. <laughs> so now that that bit of levity is over with uh why don't we do the usual thing so we have uh, two new voices here brayton and brian brayton um you're somebody who i talked to when we were developing the show because i know mm-hmm. that you really dig uh the dark tower or have in the past uh what's your history with the series yeah i, I started reading it uh i don't even know how i think i just i wanted to read some stephen king i read some short stories that i liked and i was in college at the like local library and uh, i saw the gunslinger it was short i thought i'd pick it up give it a spin and the next thing i know i was completely hooked um here here's my like word to the the wise if you're just getting started with the series and i know you you mentioned it in a previous podcast but uh it don't don't read 
I think it's either the compendium or the uh, what is the other one called? I don't know. Uh, so it's a it's the Dark Tower compendium, or it's the other one. It's also a C word. I'm sorry. Oh, the I concordance. Forgot. Yeah, the those, concordance. Those, those concordances. Yeah, I have both of those. I, I reference those a lot, actually. I, I I don't recommend them because I was only in like midway through the second book, and it's oh. it's one of those, oh. or maybe it was a different different book altogether, but. Uh, it spoiled the entire series in the introduction to the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I ended up knowing what happens at the end of book seven uh, oh, no. with, you know, five and a half books to go to get there. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a little bummed about that. And part of that is the reason why. And this is I'm. You know, maybe I'll finish it while we're doing the podcast, but I actually never finished book seven. I only read a like recap summary because mm-hmm. uh, I was actually really angry about them just introducing more and more new characters in the last book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just uh, just went went through book seven again yeah. um, on the audiobook. Listen through. Uh, I think it's uh, I'm, I'm going to be excited to get there in a couple of years. Yeah, um, but yeah, definitely the, like, th- those uh, concordances. Uh, there are two yeah. volumes, and they released a combined one. Those are the, the, the those are varsity level, like Cimmerillion esque reference tasks, uh, reference mm. te- texts. That is bizarre that they would be so cavalier as to put that in the opening paragraph. Yeah, I, I wish I, I tried looking, uh, tried to find. Uh, the exact book so I could warn people directly, but I'm basing it <laughs> off of a like 15 year old memory oh, of a yeah. book I despised. So like, it's... <laughs> yeah. So stay oh. away from secondary materials uh, other than this podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, and we'll, we're, so I'm, I'm kind of curious how long we can go without talking about the, like what happens in that book and the implications of it. Yeah. I think honestly, it's next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Um, Brian, you, you you volunteered to be on this uh, on, on on this chapter here. Do you have uh, did, are, are are you new to the series or do you have history with it? I am completely new. Uh, I had tons of friends growing up who was who would read them and recommend them, and uh, I've had an iffy relationship with Stephen King. I'm not sure if it's just the books I picked up that weren't his best stuff, but the, the two or three times that I've tried, I, it's not that I dislike them, but I always found, um, his, his ideas are better than his execution. I'd say about 70% of the time. Yeah. So I'm trying to give these, give him a fresh chance with, uh, dark tower uh, I'm taking all my preconceived notions off the table, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. enjoy the ride. And I also I know about the ending already, so that can't disappoint <laughs> me. I'm just gonna just gonna see where this goes, see what happens. Yeah. And there's some there's some really interesting ideas in the Gunslinger, at least. Yes. Yeah, and, and going through in a close read and pulling those out for the notes has definitely brought that to the to to, to the fore. That this is a very special book. I, I know what I was going to ask. Um, Brayton, you kind of jumped on this chapter right away. Was there anything in particular why the slow mutants, um, any reason in particular why the slow mutants jumped out at you? I just love mutants. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like a 90s band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a real like shoegaze, like sort of a oh, thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did a split with Ride back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, appreciate you guys coming here. We have a lot of ground to cover. This is a uh, really meaty chapter, really meaty, slimy, tentacly chapter. 
Um, so let's get right into it by talking about what happened last time where Roland and his young friend, Jake, this boy who, uh, came to Roland's world from our world through the portal of death, uh, left the desert and entered the mountains where they found food and water, but also an evil spirit, this Oracle and succubus who Roland, uh, kind of lured away from taking Jake and actually used her to kind of get a prophecy and the chapter ends. Uh, with Roland, with Roland and Jake facing the man in black at the entrance uh, to this uh, kind of network of mountain caves, um, this long and dark passage that we're going to go into. Yeah, so we start out in here, and very quickly, Stephen King is trying to hammer in how dark and how miserable this is. There's a yeah. line that's like, "Oh, <laughs> we learned that one can hunger for light as if it were food, or something like that." Mm -hmm. um, is how is, is, is kind of how this is characterized. Um, and I don't quite know how to read what makes Roland so willing to like deliriously as though he's in sleep, talk about his past to this kid. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of comes out like for me is that, um, there's, there was that confrontation with the man in black and now like all the cards are kind of on the table. Um, like he knows that Jake knows that what's about to happen you know um and he's kind of just trying to talk about it to i i feel like it's a distraction like he's he's like if i keep talking maybe jake will start liking me again and stop being mad at me even though uh you know i've prophesied that bad things will happen to him <laughs> well i mean that's that's i mean that's kind of a, a thing that people do Whenever, well, not everybody, but certain people will do that whenever they realize that they're in a very uncomfortable position with a particular person. You know, they'll just start over talking and mm. oversharing and like and a lot of times with way more detail than is necessary. And that's exactly how I read it is that he's like, oh, this is awkward. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. And then like he's just doing that to kind of fill in the silence because kind of after this, there's nothing but a whole lot of silence. Yeah. On that they're both stuck in yeah you can't talk about the weather so he has to talk about the other thing that's in the room oh you're a child i was a child once let me talk to you let me let me tell you about wearing my dad's pants back in my day <laughs> yeah that is a that is a weird line <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have to do with anything i mean so it's setting up that this is going to be a chapter that's about you know coming coming into your own right like it's about rites of passage and stuff and i mm -hmm. love that line about the uh the like hoping that you or, or, uh, got rid of the shoe polish mustache that you put on mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but uh roland is kind of telling the story about this baller party that uh that, that gilead put on for the sewing night cotillion um, also for, known as fresh Kamala, again, one of those proper verbs or nouns that was put into, um, the book later on that won't, right. that won't come back until books, uh, book five. Um, but, uh, he saw, uh, Martin again, the court sorcerer and uh, his father's advisor kind of macking on his mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, gross. Yeah. And Martin's gross. Yep. <laughs> There's nothing about ball. him I like. And I, I've read the comic of this this section, and I know you'll you'll eventually get to it, probably cover it. But mm -hmm. like, he's even drawn gross. Like, it's yeah. not. It's just unpleasant to look at the frames that he's in. Oh, now I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. It's real. It's real sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what's funny? So we 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 talked about the um, we talked about the comic or this uh, this issue of it anyway. 
um, in Try This. Actually, I had Gary um, try that graphic novel to kind of introduce him to the, this world, to, to mm-hmm. the Dark Tower. He ended up liking it, but something that kind of comes across as being really gross in the comic that is not as bad here is Roland's relationship with his mom. So, yeah. I mean, you, like, you remember that stuff, Braden, right? Like, he just straight up, like, dresses her down and blames her for, for, yeah. for what Martin is doing. Right. And it's it's that sort of uh, misplaced anger that you see a lot in, in you know, uh, uh, relationships where someone's cheated on someone else. Where yeah. it's like, you're going to, well, in this case, you know, you would normally blame Martin. But it's really, I guess he's blaming his mom because of the betrayal he's feeling against his father. And it's it's really painful. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we, we can get, get beyond this kind of recollection. But again, we're seeing Gilead at its height. And uh, we're kind of getting a sense of regret from Roland because he's leading into the story like, oh, I wish I had never wish I had never seen Gilead at its height, this island of light in the dark um, and never witnessed his father's cuckoldry. Not in the alt-right sense, but like literally in the Shakespeare <laughs> sense um and there's a meaningful passage here and we didn't talk about this but each book has a subtitle to it um this one is called resumption and there's a passage that kind of like links into that again Mm -hmm. where you know roland is recalling back to the beginning of his journey around we go back to the start um and the start is there again resumption uh which uh which was ever the curse of daylight which is some dark souls ass stuff Mm yeah (laughs) yeah Um, so I, I got to ask, was that that was in the original version of the book and not just the uh, like remaster version? That's a remaster thing. OK, that's what I want. OK, that makes a lot more sense if that's a remaster edition. Yeah, yeah. Um, Intent. Uh, nobody, nobody asked. <laughs> no, but um, so <laughs> the 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 subtitles, all of which begin with R, um, didn't start until uh, I think the third one, maybe the drawing of the three had it as well um but uh but yeah it was it was it was added in as a as a suitable one again for this and we're going to talk about that when we get to the next chapter too um yeah. you know where where roland's quest starts we see at least seven different places where his quest could be considered to start but you know this is again the uh the, the beginning's end um so the actual tunnels themselves <laughs> it's hilarious they find a talking hand car yeah. yeah, it was a very like fallout moment. <laughs> like I just expected it to be like drink Nuka Cola. Well, he does. <laughs> like later yeah. on, I, for, I forget the I forget the uh, the brand names that they put Crisp- in, but it's what's that? Crispola. Yeah, it's like like cr- 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 <laughs> oh, cr- Crispola and Larchies. Larchies, yeah. <laughs> and it's like and it's like nothing relaxes like Larchies. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I can't. I cannot imagine any kind of product that would work with the name Larchies. <laughs> like that, nothing. There's no marketing campaign that would work for. Cram your gullet with Larchies. Yeah, that's about it. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really very relaxing. I yeah. think it's a. It, it is some kind of sedative fruit pie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Need food option? Larchies food option. <laughs> Larchies, it's your only choice. Yeah. <laughs> but they, so yeah, they go, so they they find this cart right after traveling through. Uh, and I think that it's kind of I I know that we're it's timey wimey, but You're right. they spend like weeks under this mountain because uh, it's like a couple of days 
to, before they even find the cart. Mm-hmm. It's like three days or three, uh, three periods of waking is what they end up calling yeah. it. It's so dark. They lose all sense of, of time. Uh, I assume it's like dark enough that, you know, you're not entirely certain that your eyes are even open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and they they eventually find the, the railroad tracks. And they're scooting along them like with one foot mm-hmm. uh, against the track. And that's when they run into the cart. <laughs> yep. Am I, am I, I really allowed like... to quickly to quickly praise something from a previous chapter that I really liked? Yes, you may. I really loved uh, when he first met Jake and he asked Jake, like, how long something had been. And his answer was three poops ago. <laughs> oh, we totally <laughs> praised that in, in, in that episode. Yeah, That's just, just such a fantastic that. moment. <laughs> and that was added in the revision. That was extra characterization that Stephen King saw fit to add, um, to, to add uh, uh, 25 years later. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Then apparently the audiobook I had was uh, revision uh, based off the revision. Yes, which I, I wasn't wasn't positive on, but I had my feeling that it was. Yeah, I think um, the 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 revision one is read by George Guidall, um and the uh, um, the original one it would have been read by uh, by Frank. Oh God, now I forget his name. The guy Lange who did Jill. all. The, what's that? I said Frank Langella. <laughs> yep, Frank. Who's he from? Who's he? I'm, Oh, he played Skeletor in the He-Man movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I forget his name and I can't look it up. Uh, but you know, just noted, noted audiobook reader. Nobody will know those names unless they listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, but yeah, uh, the uh, you, you probably most likely are listening to the revision. The original one is actually really hard to get a hold of now. Um, so I, but I guess there are PDFs. It's very hard to get a hold of depend, depending on how you how how hard you look. I guess. Yeah, there is some original versions that you can you can get. Well, not the audio, I don't know, but mm-hmm. there's still original versions on eBay that you can buy that are reasonably priced, like oh. somewhere between five and ten bucks. Oh, nice. I don't know how good of a condition they're in, but right. Yeah, because oh. yeah, oh, you know, to to say like when I first started reading this series, the ones they had at the library um, were the ones with the pictures. Hmm. So they had like uh, every chapter or so they would have, a, you know, an, like a glossy insert of uh, <laughs> of this piece of art from whatever. And the one, of oh, course, yeah. the murder of Tull is really amazing. It's just this. Yeah. yeah I mean, you guys used it for the show notes, but mm-hmm. it's this, this long line of dead people with like <laughs> Roland just hanging out on top of it. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, the, the, those illustrations are great. Um, yeah. I, I ended up reading these on Kindle, which don't don't have those, um, which is a bit of a shame. I should probably just yeah. like just buy a whole set so I can have those for like scans and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they figure out how to turn off this uh, th- th- this guy's uh, voice feature. It didn't talk in the original version. They, they just kind of mm-hmm. went back in and added a lot of the technology um, uh, again as part of uh, as part of this version. Um, <laughs> the turn off says goodbye, pal, but it still yeah. reads ads. <laughs> yeah, I, I expected it to have Dave Foley's voice, honestly. <laughs> like in my head, that's how I read it. Yeah. Oh. But they're but they're going on and and uh Roland's sense of anticipation is such like there there's a great metaphor here. Like Roland says he feels like a performer uh placed on center stage minutes before the rise of the curtain because he knows that the shoe's going to drop. Like he's pretty much waiting anywhere in the darkness the man in black could come out he don't he doesn't know when the moment of sacrifice is uh is is going to come and again this conversation continues on um and joe <laughs> about said joke um that's not that's not nice cole it's right in the middle <laughs> <laughs> um uh jake is talking about he's really uh chatty about uh childhood 
um, mm-hmm. right now because he uh, it's, it's a real poignant line. I always wondered about growing up. I bet it's mostly lies. Oh, yeah, Jake, that, if only you whole, knew. Yeah, that whole thing is very like it's very pointed at Roland and saying like, you know, you grow up and you make all these compromises and you're lying about who you are and yeah. you know that's it's uh, yeah i mean it's a very naive childish way to look at adulthood but it's also <laughs> accurate yeah and yeah. It's, it's not only he's not only lying about who he is he's also distrustful of other people's lies like the first interaction he had in this book was uh, what's the guy's name brown or something yeah yeah Where, yeah when he's he's absolutely convinced like the the guy's going to call me out on something he's going to want to know He's he's just distrustful in general of other mm-hmm. people. Yeah, I I, th- I think Jake he he attached a yo-yo string to the mic so he could keep dropping it over and over again, <laughs> <laughs> like the arrows. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't make a note of the arrows. That is such a weird detail for them to put in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so Stephen, how did the uh, like like how did his attitude kind of read to you in this chapter? Because this is very much kind of in line with that. Uh, Jake's, you mean? Yeah, um, it's. I, I was thinking about because um, Jake, he, uh, yeah, him just continually dropping the mic over and over again is is a really good way to say it. Um, and I was I was trying to think about. It, I'm like, well, it feels like that because I remember in the last episode we were kind of talking about how, and I think the past couple episodes we were talking about how. King doesn't particularly early on in his writing career uh, writes children in a way that is like they're always wise beyond their years. Um, But with Jake, I feel like it actually kind of works because he has in a Lovecraftian way almost begun to ascend because he has died already and he's experienced that. And now he has had his mind open to the fact that there are indeed other worlds um, and so I think that at this point he's not only in, I think a little bit later on, we see where he actually does start to really break down almost maybe how a child actually would. Um, but here, I think this is, um, I don't really even remember where I was going with that point. I just, I like that, uh, that this is when Jake's kind of like, he really takes Roland to task a lot in this mm-hmm. chapter. He's like, he's laying on that guilt thick. Um, and, <laughs> After that opening uh, where Roland's just kind of rambling on about uh, the party, um, at that point he kind of – I think it's here that uh, we get the detail that Roland sleeps and he doesn't dream again. (laughs) Um, And like I said before, I think that he started dreaming before uh, we we didn't get the detail that he was dreaming until he fell in love with Jake Mm -hmm. or a little bit before that that's revealed. And I think that it's here that he's come to terms with what he has to do. Like that analogy of waiting behind a curtain and Mm -hmm. that there's this anticipation of what he has to do. And he's kind of maybe a little bit excited for that moment. Yeah. Um, So kind of just like building that up that Jake is like, yo, you're a real shitty person. And then Roland's like, yep. <laughs> uh, Roland's gone dead again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Like you really get to see Roland in this chapter, I think for the first time, like not being heroic uh, and, and specifically like having that contrast of just someone calling him into question and saying, you know, you're, you're going to have this choice and you're going to make the bad decision. You're going to make the selfish choice. And, um, and really like that's, it's, 
the biggest development of his character up to this point, I think. Yeah. Something, uh, something kind of unspoken has happened, at least between yeah. the two of them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but both of them have started acting different and in, in very serious ways. And like, there's a cowardice in Roland's approach to this too, because, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> he was rambling about his childhood there again, trying to, trying to keep the subject away from what was going to happen. And then when Jake is more pointed about asking about this stuff, again, kind of, I, I don't know, saying, <laughs> uh, surrogate daddy, what's it like to grow up? Because I know I'm not going to. Um, and Roland, he, he, um, he equivocates. He says, he starts telling these other stories like, oh, there were, you know, I didn't really grow up until I left my father's household. He tells this, he tells almost like this kind of tantalizing story, like that, like a kid would maybe enjoy like, oh, I killed a not man, this person who you couldn't see, but you could feel. And he, he, he he got a content warning, I guess. Um, he, he got a taste for rape and Jake is like, ha ha. Yeah um for for real though what's what, what's what's going on yeah mm-hmm. and, he, and he even just... he even he gives him a little bit of a ribbing he's like hey you gotta catch up with that tower room all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he kind of makes fun of him he's like you're ridiculous <laughs> yeah, because because roland in trying to get in trying to get past the fact that he's going to abandon jake tells a story of a time he abandoned a woman in kingstown exactly <laughs> 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 he's really flubbing this role in my buddy cut your he's losses. a bad babysitter <laughs> man yeah like i love you but come on oh, don't tell mom the babysitter's din um yeah uh, so so that um some, somebody out there is gonna laugh at that with with that particular reference pool um so yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh roland finally gets to the heart of it because jake wants to learn like okay you know what is it you know what what does it mean to become a man and we kind of hear hear the story about roland's roland's kind of ascension to you Mm -hmm. know from being this student to being a a gunslinger proper and it kind of starts with this again witnessing and kind of like having confirmed the, the the affair that his mother gabrielle is having with uh with martin you know so (laughs) how did this hit you guys uh this is i it's an amazing scene um i hated it uh because i hate martin so much and like i was (laughs) but i remember reading it and just being so angry at everyone involved Mm -hmm. like everyone (laughs) acts like a dick in this like it's just terrible and it's but there's part of it that is like like teenage Roland and he has that that line where he calls out Martin as a bondsman and Mm -hmm. like demands a uh, a show of fealty for his father it's a real Uh, uh, Joffrey kind of moment yeah it is a real Joffrey but he doesn't get it and I think that's (laughs) that's the part that's infuriating right like he should (laughs) have right like that should have happened but I guess you really find out uh where martin's position in the house really is yeah what do do you mean by he 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 doesn't get it like he doesn't understand that that's not going to work no well he doesn't get the show of fealty instead he gets told off yeah yeah Yeah. there we go and then (laughs) listens to uh martin uh, beat up his mom yeah he tells her to shut her quack which is something i've never heard I assumed it was a duck thing. I don't know. <laughs> a little bit of levity for this for this hor- hor- horrible scene, and his mom's kind of playing it off like, "Oh, nothing's wrong." Like she, 
you know, even even though like Martin. So, OK, so 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 the play here is, you know, Martin kind of lures him in and says, hey, your mom wants to talk to you. And he's very much trying to goad Roland on. Yeah. You know, like it's it's not straight up said like, hey, look at this. Don't you want to try and come at me? But like that is that 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 is what is happening here. And his mom is is mortified, you know, just and humiliated and 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 everything. We're going to find out more about this later on, um, even in a later chapter about kind of Gabrielle's role in this. But she's mm-hmm. very much like I, I read her her disposition as, hey, everything's okay. Like she is trying to kind of do a little bit what Roland is doing and be comforting and offer a lot of uh, like small talk, like, Oh, how are your studies? Yeah. It it seemed to me like it was just kind of distraction or it was that sort of, you're an ignorant child and you don't know what's actually happening between the two of us. So Mm -hmm. if I just ask you some questions, maybe you won't figure it out. You know, for, because of exactly what you said, Cole, I think this is a pretty great, uh, uh, scenes for Roland specifically, I think it really informs how he's trying to relate to Jake in these trying times, sort of avoiding the actual questions that have necessary <laughs> answers and just sort of doing whatever, just kind of ignoring the problem. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's really great in the way it relates to his current situation. Yeah. Steven, anything stick out to you about that? Um, yeah, the you guys keep uh, describing um, Martin as incredibly unpleasant. I don't know why. Um, like, I, I get that his like being around him is probably not the most fun thing. Um, but like, whenever he's described in this scene, for whatever reason, all I can picture is like the cover of a romance novel. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, he's got like he's got on like you know tight black pants and like a, this white button down shirt that's like buttoned down like halfway <laughs> down his and hairless everything. chest. Yeah, like that's exactly what I think of. Um, I'm just like, like, man, what? Like this guy is such a scumbag because the way he he calls Roland in and he's like, hey, your mom wants to speak to you. And I'm fairly certain she didn't want to talk to him at that moment in time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then the way that uh, Martin just like continually goads him on wherever he says, are you going to be a fighter like your father or are you just slow? Uh, whenever he sees uh, one of the wounds on uh, Roland's head, I, I'm assuming from training. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, like, he knows exactly where to poke and prod at Roland. But I, obviously, I mean, he doesn't know that uh, that Roland kind of is ready to do what he needs to do. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about here is you know this trial of becoming a gunslinger. Usually, it happens when somebody is 18. This is. Mm-hmm. Three years after the death of Hax, and Roland is 14 at this moment. Um, his dad, Stephen Deshane, was the previous kind of, I guess, record holder. That feels like a weird way to say it. He, he previously was the youngest person to become a gunslinger at 16. So yeah. when, when, when Roland rolls up, and it's, it's an amazing scene when he does this, he's two years too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and like nobody wants him to do it, least of all Court, who up to this point has been a real like dick necessarily yeah he he has been a dick but at the same time the way that roland goes in and like just busts (laughs) the door down and yells at him he kicks the door and kicks his table against a wall just like (laughs) yeah he's two years too early you should hit him more (laughs) well and actually like court as much as he's been a dick up to this point like now he's like please don't do this because you're gonna have to go out west then 
mm-hmm. like please please don't do this mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the like pe- he even <laughs> goes as far to break his oath to say to tell him to turn around yeah he's he's normally only supposed to like as as part of the ritual and, and again like this is something that probably would have been done you know <laughs> if, if it was any other world he'd be wearing a cap and gown while he does it <laughs> like the yeah. ritual is hey you know i give you one chance to go back you know, because you have to come to this as an exile from your parents' house. Like you are in this limbo state, and you can never go back. The penalty for overeagerness is the same as the penalty for unworthiness, which is mm-hmm. which is exile. And like, you know, court asked this obliquely, and Roland's like, "I know what exile is. I need to do this." Yeah, yeah. And then which we get- shows Roland's obsession to a fault. Like- oh yeah amazingly well here <laughs> <laughs> well this is a it's a like we're, we're gonna see like this is a microcosm of mm. of roland's whole of roland's whole deal um he's slow to see something but when he but when he sees it and kind of like can wrap his mind around it he acts on it with single-minded determination mm-hmm. um and he doesn't mm-hmm. care what he loses and we see that when he goes to the cellar where you know, he keeps his hawk again we're dipping back into the wonderful world of falconry um, Davy, <laughs> Davy, give me your answer, do. <laughs> yep. I was trying to think of a way to finish that. Um, yeah. Uh, but, I, but I'm not quick enough on my feet. Um, but yeah, he goes to his hawk and says, you know, because you have to bring a weapon to this, you know, I think you die today. And after today, I am the hawk. And each year I will shoot, uh, each year on this day, I will shoot uh, the sky in your memory. So he's going to take he's I mean, he's going to take a hawk to a stick fight. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's that. That's the end of the same speech where he says to the hawk, like, I don't know if you like me. I don't think you ever liked me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, Uh, man. I love that whole that whole (laughs) section where he's uh, talking about like that hawk and his relation (laughs) to it, which to ship to it was awesome because it doesn't quite seem like a pet. It's like a tool, like a living tool that he uses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like training this was part of his training. That like that, that I realized how redundant that was as I was saying it. But like <laughs> you know, you're you're raising nature's gunslinger so you can learn about what it means to be this single-minded you know killing machine. You know this the, the, this hunter right. And then Roland extends that into like using it in a way that is not really, I don't believe would be intention uh, is the intention of having one of these falcons, which kind of just you know. Uh, wonderfully uh, illustrates what's going to be happening real soon. Like that he's like, he's willing to take, like he's going to take the tools that he's been shown. He's like, this is the proper way to use this stuff. And then he's like, okay, well now I'm going to push it just a little bit further to get exactly what I want. Yep. So methodical, so resourceful. Ain't no rule that says a gunslinger's gun can't be a Falcon. (laughs) Ain't no rule. I do not shoot with my hand. (laughs) I shoot with my hawk. Um, Um, but he takes this to the to, to the trial yard, this you know yard out behind the, the the great hall for the final the final showdown. This kind of epic space um, where the east end faces Gilead and the west end faces Garland, and then the Mohane, which is the desert where he has been traveling. Like he's been in the west this whole time. Yeah, can we just take a, a, a quick moment? Because I know that giving the orientation of uh, Garland and the Mohane desert where he was at the beginning of uh, the book, right. Mm-hmm. Um, was an ad like they added that in, in the revision, right? Yes. Yeah. And I liked more. I honestly enjoyed it more thinking that 
the beginning of the gunslinger was well into his chase after the man in black. And it really like with putting that context of saying like, oh, there's uh, Gilead and then Garland and then the desert makes it seem like it wasn't that long. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Brayden. I think it there is a, a better sense of mystery and like timelessness if there wasn't uh, that distinct connection between those two areas yeah right the 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 maps of these areas always feel a little bit sloppy um when you look at them and you know i I understand putting a map in a fantasy in a fantasy map but you're right like by making it seem like these two are so close and by showing that they fit on the same map um and it's not even like you can see cities on that like the scale isn't that is isn't that you know disparate right you're you're, Mm. you're completely correct you know, they they talk about like, oh, he hadn't seen the Man in Black for twelve years. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, really? You just had to go like two towns over. <laughs> <laughs> but again, timey wimey. Uh, the the the, right. the world has moved on. The fabric of time and space is weakening, et cetera, and on down the line. It is not very, it is it is not very satisfying. Um, and that is definitely a consideration that came later when King decided, kind of which direction or which apparent direction the beams had to go yeah but i mean i guess it makes sense in in that like for a single-minded individual like the gunslinger (laughs) he also took like a week to just hang out and sleep with a lady (laughs) yep rolling slow (laughs) (laughs) he is slow he does admit that (laughs) so yeah that's that's a bit of goofy continuity what's up brian (laughs) <laughs> what's the point of a road trip if you don't stop and look at the tourist attractions <laughs> if you don't stop to obliterate the tourist attractions <laughs> right oh man um yeah so he, he goes there and cuthbert's uh, god i love cuthbert so much such a good character um he uh, he's like hey roland you forgot your weapon what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> and that's i thought that like maybe he was hiding the hawk behind his back when he came <laughs> Roland, is your weapon inside the hawk? Is it behind the hawk? Tell me, where is your weapon? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but um, after the, um, the the back and forth, again, this ritual that would have been done in a cap and gown, Roland says, my weapon is David. And there's this whole internal monologue about, does Court know what is going on? Does he have this? Because surprise is literally the only advantage that I have here. And then we get into this really, really hectic fight. That is, I think, more like more lovingly described than the entire slaughter of Tall. Yeah, but you know, but between all of them, and like, man, it's brutal what happens to this bird, guys. Yeah, yeah. This I mean, intense. even what happens to Court, even by Court's own hand. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, because David latches onto Court's face like a face hugger, and Court knows the only way to get this, you know, this ball of feathers and knives off of his face is to smash at it with his own stick this ironwood stick yeah and that doesn't do much of anything that just like that just cripples david and he's still in play yeah but and also breaks up court's own face yeah they talk about his uh his cheeks hanging like curtains Ugh. <laughs> he's he was already blind in one eye and that you know and, and that eye is scratched up and popping out like eventually later on his entire ear is is, is uh is chewed off it's just a yeah. bloody hole yeah he's uh he's put Ugh. into a a week-long coma you know between between this and what 
what Roland ultimately does, you know, after this struggle, you know, they're trying to struggle for, for footing. Roland gets a hold of the, uh, gets a hold of the stick. Um, David is crushed between the two of them as court kind of falls down on him. And then mm-hmm. Roland's like, all right, I'm going to whack you across the head and I'm going to give you one final chance to, uh, to cry off to, uh, to, to, to yield. Which he does immediately. Of <laughs> 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 course, no fool. He knows. Yeah. And he's glad of what happens. I mean, he, he's smiling whenever, uh, when Roland finally, um, has him pinned. Yeah. And like, he's able to kind of like lift back the drill sergeant act and say like, you know, I didn't expect this, but if anybody was going to do it, you would. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a heart wrenching line here, you know, where, you know, court's kind of like, I'm going to go into the, I'm going to walk the path, maybe all the way to the clearing. I'm going to go to sleep until I die probably. But like, yeah. how did you train David to do that? And Roland gives this just ice cold line. I mm. never trained David. I friended him. Right. Which, you know, another way of just saying I used him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, wow. I earned his trust with strips of jerky and then he died to serve my purposes. Yeah. Harsh words. <laughs> give me the key. Give me my shitty nickel plated training guns. Yeah. And I, and court gives him really good advice and tells him to to hold on, not to just rush off, because he knows the reason that Roland ran up there so soon is because something something's bugging him. He doesn't know what, but he knows <laughs> he knows Roland's about to go kill someone. It's, it's well, see, I actually the, I read it that he actually knew yeah. what was going on and that it's so high up that no one can really do anything about it, which kind of like makes it, it makes me. Um, uh, makes a little more sense that Roland is as pissed as he is whenever he finally finds out. He's like, Oh God, like everyone kind of knows about this yeah. and no one's seeming to do wanting to do anything about it. So I'm going to go do something yeah. about it. Like when he was yeah. watching this weird courtship dance, he noticed that none of the gunslingers applauded when mm-hmm. Martin and Gabriel finished. Like it was, right. you know, this like, this is an open secret. Yeah. Um, and like he <laughs> courts, a smart guy. He calls it on the nose. He says, Basically, hey, let word of this get out. Wait, please. Given time, words may enchant an enchanter. Do you take my meeting, gunslinger? Like, he's got the score. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's... it's. it's I like the line where he says, uh, let you, this legend grow hair on its face or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a really cool way of, like, saying, like, it's like, you know, kind of the Batman thing. You know, let the let the image of what uh, people will think about this, uh, let that go before you. And that'll that'll kind of get some stuff done. Mm -hmm. But it's bad advice also because that gets more attention and it makes everything more more pressing, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, Roland says, hey, I'll get you a nurse. Uh, Me and Cuthbert, we're going to go bury this hawk here. Um, I'm going to tell the brothels that you're not going to be down there because they're probably going to wonder. And then this 14 year sa- this 14 year old says, perhaps I will comfort one or two a little. Yeah, a little. I like that he's at least aware of it. <laughs> at least he's realistic about it. It's fine. Well, it describes it. It's, it says like, oh, it was it was short but good or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for who? <laughs> Pray tell. like that liz lemon quote like she likes her sex short uh, and infrequent or something like that (laughs) that made me think of that (laughs) (laughs) but then we come back to present day after this ghastly scene um and jake is disgusted (laughs) 
<laughs> like Jake doesn't say it. Like Roland says, you know, he like he ha- or thinks he has no idea how he's going to take it because he realizes it makes him look like a heel, like a betrayer. But Jake is like, oh, is it all? Di- is it just games all the way down? Yeah, and he um he has a, a line about like, do you ever grow up or do you just come of age? It's pretty intense. Suggesting, yeah, suggesting that he's still a kid. He's still mm-hmm. acting like a a kid, even even in an adult's body. Yeah. And that, that Jake is more grown up than he is, which <laughs> might be true. It's a, it's a reverse big situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Jack situation. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Benjamin buttoning. It's fine. <laughs> oh, please. Let's get another. <laughs> let's get a fourth one in. Let's get a fourth age play. <laughs> uh, vice versa starring uh, Judd Reinhold and uh, Fred Savage. Oh, okay. There we go. Nice. <laughs> you, you mean the the, the male uh, freaky friday yeah okay <laughs> i guess freaky friday would have been the better choice <laughs> no that's really i'm happy you went with the judd reinhold one um so yeah any final thoughts about the uh about that because that's kind of i mean th- this is a very eventful chapter but that is the scene that kind of like sticks out to me um in the entire book is you know kind of Roland's origin story for like how he ultimately got his guns? Yeah, I, I really love that as well, and I think maybe that was part of the reason that I ended up picking this. I didn't remember where it was, but I was really excited when I got here, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the court <laughs> fight! I love this this scene and uh, and all of its implications." And it was like, I think the past that Stephen King makes up for Roland is really evocative and really interesting. And there seems to be like a lot of just, uh, you know, stuff going on all the time. And that's, I think part of the reason why I went back and like read the comics for, you know, the different stories that take place. Like they have a story about what happens when he, uh, they go to, uh, King Kingsfield. What is it? Uh, Kingstown. Yeah. Yeah, when they go to Kingstown, there's a whole comic arc about that, and it's great. And and I liked reading about the past. You know, not that the present, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, is is bad. It's just you know, it's a nice break from a whole <laughs> tunnel full of darkness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I remember, you know, in my initial read of this, being a little bit bummed out whenever whenever they did go back to his childhood. But on you know, just because I was so invested in the story of what was going on, like a lot of people cite. Wizard and Glass is kind of this stopping point for them because it is such a big departure, you know, yeah. from, from the from the climax that happens in the wastelands. Um, but it's valuable, I think, what we see yeah. there. Well, I could see. I mean, in that case, that's the entire book. <laughs> yeah, and I think the stuff that he does choose to tell you. Now, I've I've only read the comic that covers this stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't the biggest fan of it. But like, I think the problem was is that I had already read it, and I think it was these scenes were better done uh, in uh, text form as opposed to images. Um, But anyway, so I I don't know how the rest of the comics actually play out. I have them. I should probably read them. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I like the stuff that he does wind up choosing uh, to show us. Like I I was nervous about getting to Wizard and Glass um, just because I was like, oh, man, a whole book of a flashback. But that he – I think King uh, did a really good job of giving us – the parts that maybe weren't, uh, yeah, like they were necessary to show us like this, this whole section of a flashback Mm -hmm. is only to set up what is getting ready to happen in the rest of this chapter. Yeah. And then like wizarding glasses, like much needed context for a lot of, 
um, like his stuff with uh, Roland's original quartet yeah. and like things like that moving forward now that we have an established quartet from mm-hmm. after the wastelands and things like that. So I think that the flashback stuff actually, it worked really, really well uh, for me. And this was like the point in this book when I was first reading it, where I was just, I was in and ready to go. It was like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is, this is really good stuff and really great world building as opposed to just really, uh, really awesome. albeit. um, but you know, scant evocative, uh, world bu- world building that we've been getting in the present up to this point. Yeah, there's a nice kind of contrast between kind of how busy the world of the past feels versus mm-hmm. the loneliness. Like Gunslinger without without this stuff would just be an inferior version of the road a little bit. Kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, we, we we get to see that uh, that disparity. Um, um, I think it works real well. Good. I, I think the the big thing about Roland's backstory that sticks with me is just how oblivious he is to the irony of certain aspects of it like um specifically the way uh you know he's callous the completely callous he doesn't really understand uh i feel people's emotions a lot of the time uh specifically like jake being disgusted by this entire story is i think the uh you know the crowning moment of it all where just he this this absolutely horrific thing and i'm sure he's telling this entire story with a <laughs> smile on his face like ah oh, those were the days he, he, he doesn't see the uh, the parallels right right mm-hmm. yeah jake let me tell you about my best friend david who was a hawk <laughs> you would have liked I, it that i had <laughs> uh, killed in order for me to become what i wanted <laughs> see I don't know if you're just, you know how there's sometimes there's something you want to get and, and to get that you have to kill something. Yeah. Um, so what's oh, no, wait, wait, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Okay. <laughs> you know how when you're responsible for something or somebody, but you really want something else. Okay. Okay. You're you just not getting my it. And the easiest way is to get rid. <laughs> yeah. like, so, you saved my life, and I love you for that, Jake. I really do. But also, but, but there is this, there is this invisible lady. Um, <laughs> um, but um, to, to, to add something onto that, uh, Roland can be good at like sensing other people's emotions or reading it, but it's almost always to perceive a threat. Mm-hmm. We even see that when when he goes back and forth with with Jake here, like he has this intuition or this empathy. Insofar, at least for right now, that that just relates to self-preservation. I think that goes back to his training of needing to yeah, be no, essentially just a weapon. No doubt. Yeah. yeah, no doubt he he is one of his best skills. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah. So let's uh, <laughs> let's watch this go on. See how it plays out by going and uh, getting to the uh, the fireworks factory here, the titular mutants. So, yeah. <laughs> um, this is the very, you know, the next day or the next period of, 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 of wakefulness as they're going along again, Roland is working this push cart. Um, they see a light below them, this kind of phosphorescence looking up. And I love the descriptions of these, uh, about said demons, which kind of, kind of right. These mutants above the flattened nose was an, was an insectile node of eyes peering at them expression, uh, expressionlessly. 
mm-hmm. um, <laughs> of another one. Uh, one of the forms broke free and shambled toward them. The face was uh, was that of a starving idiot. The mm-hmm. faint naked body had been transformed into a knotted mess of tentacular limbs and suckers. Oh, that's some yeah. more of crafty and yeah. shit right there. It's so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they had faces that were hardly human or pathetically so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. I think they call them uh, jack-o'-lanterns at some point. Yep. Yep. Because of the glow that seems to come from their heads. Oh, so good. It's great. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's uh, it's all I wanted out of a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I, what I what I love, and then we 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 see what happens with mutation again because there's all this nuclear stuff happening in the series. Um, is you know like mutations aren't just like singular. They don't manifest in a single way. Right. And we even see that here. It's not like, oh, they're zombies or they're fast. Like it is a real kind of like rogues gallery of just fucked up aberrant biology. Yeah. Like these were definitely people or people like things. And now they are very much not. (laughs) They are. uh, They're they're, they're creatures of the dark and they hate us for being of the light. Right. And I, I just like the idea that. You, I mean, they could have called them and come up with a proper name for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I guess Slow Mutant is a proper name for them, but it's so like it's so basic and simple and so much of a like the world has moved on, uh, <laughs> like name for it for yeah. me, where it was just like, ah, fuck it, who cares? Like, we'll just call them the Slow Mutants, yeah. Well, then they even shorten that further to Muties, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> stuff that is veered away from the true thread, mm. um. Slow mutants implies that there is perhaps another type of mutant out there in the world. I say this as a speculative guess. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. there's the quick mutants, Mm. and then there's the The moderately moving mutants. (laughs) The regular mutants. There's uh, uh, walking with a purpose mutants. (laughs) There's walking on sunshine mutants. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, like so, mutation r- kind of like runs, especially in like livestock. Um, you you find there are people. So like it's funny. Like there is a proper noun for humans who are mutated or at least uh, touched by radiation. Uh, they're sons of Roderick. Is uh, is is what they're called. Like like the like that. There are people who kind of like you know banned under this patron saint. But that mm-hmm. is uh, like you know again. <laughs> the etymology or the culture of these mutants in this world yeah but the sons of roderick are are still like humans yeah 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 mostly yeah they're they're they're, they're humans but they're like like mostly mutated like it's it's kind of like what would actually happen with the x-men where just like everybody just oh here's tumor man 47 (laughs) he's mostly got tumors yes they're the mutants from uh, (laughs) x-men from total recall oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be like if they worked to the uh if they, if they worked uh x-men style mutants into the venture brothers yeah <laughs> so also um good. like the idea like brought up the children of roderick but also I, we skipped over whenever we talked about whenever he talks about uh the roland remembers back to an old man who had a working gas pump Oh, oh yeah, we did. Yeah, like the idea of like just these like these weird uh, postmodern religions that crop up in like uh, in post-apocalyptic stuff. Like yeah. you know, it's uh, all in Fallout as well. Yeah, like, I man, I really fucking love that kind of stuff. I like, it's so good. I, I cannot <laughs> believe that I forgot to talk about the guy who had the Amico gas pump and pretended the hose was his dick. 
Yeah. And then everybody's worshiping it. It's so, <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. So many people probably died of drinking gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's, that's a Mad Max's fuck kind of idea, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's an entire world of the gods must be crazy. The old ones must be crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and But instead of finding a Coca-Cola, they find Nozzle up. Um, <laughs> So, so they're going along and, you know, these things, they, they, they want to take a, to take a big old tasty bite out of their heads. Like they were apples. And so like the guns come out in this scene that could be right out of Resident Evil four. Yeah. And it, it very much feels like a, like on rail shooter, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, Ashley's turning a crank. And... <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, so you, so you can choose either, either Jake shoots or Roland shoots. Yeah. Um, Jake can't push the cart as well, but Roland shoots yeah. better. Um, yeah. uh, so these, like these were smart mutants. Like they block the tracks intentionally in order to slow them down. And Jake's like, I'm not going to get off of this. And Roland's like, you're going to have to get off of this. Yeah. I, I was wondering about that. Like it, it seems like, yeah, you're supposed to think that the mutants put the rocks on the tracks, but I also thought that maybe it was a man in black situation. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, they bring up later when uh, there's some crashes and they refer to the, what they run into as pitiful hulks, mm-hmm. which could very well have been mutants or also tiny piles of rocks that were not really, <laughs> men that were like not well put up so yeah. it's i kind of go back and forth on who put this up there yeah i mean it, it could be roland's paranoia like this could have just been a natural cave-in or something like that sure he calls it uh he calls it shoddy work mm-hmm. you know and we only have we only have the narrator's interpretation of his thoughts to trust as truth yeah yeah but like this is a short but intense scene that is properly horrific and like there's there, there there's a time where like there's a time where Jake thinks where both Jake and Roland think oh this is it we're done but they but yeah. they pull through because yeah, this really feels like classic King like horror kind of uh, that horror action that you know crops up in all of his stuff where it's it's really tense and like it's really short um, and like the mutants kind of just come out of nowhere yeah. like beside like we've had the demon and then that one spider thing yeah. Um, in the book so far that, you know, is a little more supernatural. And then all of a sudden there's like these crazy um, Lovecraft zombie things running towards them that glow in the dark. Like that's, it's such a, like a sudden and hard turn to me, (laughs) Um, but it works so incredibly well. And like, it is really intense. Like from what I remembered, I was like, okay, this is kind of just like a zombie scene. Um, Mm -hmm. But then as I was reading it, it was really intense and like, it's really well paced. I mean, it's, I guess it's an incredibly over obvious thing to say, but it was, it was really nice reading this and like, Oh, okay. No, this is, this is actually still kind of scary to read. Yeah. It wasn't like an Ari Salvatore completely belabored kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I, I had forgotten exactly what happened to Jake, uh, after my many years of not reading this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, Oh, this could be it. <laughs> and Jake thinks it's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also the reveal. So this this chapter is called The Slow Mutants, which is vague enough, I think. You can probably mm-hmm. – it's enough to tantalize you and give you a guess. I mean, last last episode, Murph guessed that the, we were dealing with mutant hawks because in the edition oh, yeah, he was reading, right. the, the, the <laughs> illustration uh, showed, showed, showed David. But you get to uh, subheader X in this, and it's just revealed in a single sentence. During the next period of waking, the railway angled closer to the underground river, and they came upon the slow mutants. 
Like yeah. that is a prosaic sentence that describes the time. It describes the, the uh, uh, <laughs> what's happening in the environment, and then boom, introduces the threat. And yeah, it's a very like journalist thing. <laughs> yep. Um, the, the, they're uh, like the like slow mutants is capitalized. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a proper noun. Like it's it. <laughs> they just hit you over the head in the middle of this chapter. After this, you know, after the story about killing a bird, um, shit gets real. Yeah. And it's it's actually it's really terrifying. Like it's uh Jake is freaked out, Roland can't push the cart and <laughs> shoot everybody at the same time. Yeah. Uh it's dark. Uh, I really loved the parts where they're talking about um the the afterglow of of shooting uh mm. of shooting these guns and basically he was blinding himself with mm. what little ability he had to see because all he could see then was the muzzle flare yeah it's like the like the like the streaks of the memory of the light or something across yeah. uh, across his right nose or something like that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> pretty good but then they're gone also another wonderful piece of uh piece of imagery they talk about the uh running through the uh the decrepit hulks or whatever describes hitting some of the mutants uh like uh like slapping some rotten bananas off of the uh, off of the tree mm-hmm. like which immediately Ugh. just brings to mind the sound yeah so just a, a yeah. wet gross thing yeah yeah um so then we get to again the uh mirror the counterpart to the summoning stones that we found earlier this uh the subway station right that is Again, not just a remnant of technology, but also a little bit of the culture that they had here. Like yeah. Jake is able to pull up a memory like, oh, this is like a subway. And as they get to all of the tracks kind of converging and they see these shops and these machines kind of like all lead to waste. Um, I don't know. Like, I really enjoy this also because it glows with the light of the uh, mm. um, of the machine still being on. Yeah. And isn't this like they're. They escape the slow mutant threat, and then it's like four days of darkness. Yep. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, a subway station. <laughs> yep. And they get here, and there are mummies, but they turn to dust. Yeah. Because uh, because the old ones, uh, Vane, Roland's teacher, uh, talks of uh, gases that would kill people and leave them like this. So the old ones, you know, far from being cosmic monstrosities were you know folks who kind of knew how to be monsters to each other just like us yeah yeah Yeah. um what else did they find anything else here uh oh they find the bow and arrow that we mentioned earlier (laughs) roland finds the uh the fallout style gun shop Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) he jumps like a child on christmas morning or i don't know uh whatever morning they would call it there's no as far as i know there's no christmas analog in midworld um but (laughs) he he looks he sees it like oh boy guns and he goes oh they're all filled with lead fuck lead <laughs> but he finds a, a bow and arrow that doesn't shoot true and uh, is a little bit of like this weird, like, mm, let's say, tenth of a chapter long red herring because you think, oh, yeah. boy, <laughs> Jake's going to have a weapon now. Yeah. And it, it ends up just being useless. Yeah. Jake's preppy enough that I could see him knowing how to how to use a bow and arrow. Yeah. No, he went. He went to the yeah, fancy that makes camp. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fancy camp. Is that what it was called, Braden? <laughs> I, I mean, you have fad camp, and you have yeah. Jewish camp, and you have fancy camp. Yeah, camp, fancy. Are... <laughs> camp fancy camp. Camp fancy camp. 
<laughs> but, but they but they decided to move on again just kind of following the track that they were on to you know track 10 to surface and points west and then this gets to this gets to kind of the climax here of of, mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the book we've had lots of climaxes but as they kind of go through this tunnel that is you know eerily lined with these like phosphorescent fossils 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 yeah <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah! I, th- I thought you were doing a, a portmanteau. It's a, that, that's actually introducing Roland being unable to say English words. Yeah, fossils. <laughs> <laughs> and they get to this "Stand by Me" style. Well, I guess it's you know "Stand by Stand by Me." That, that like that book wasn't about that bridge collapsing. No. Um, <laughs> but Roland remembers <laughs> the the like the mummy collapsing to dust, and before the before the car gets over gets over to this, uh, he's like, ah, we should probably test it. And the steel is porous, and the wood is rotten, and it is going to be slow going. Yeah, and it's it's over this giant chasm that presumably dumps off into water down below. Um, but it's. Like I know, I know they went through the entire tunnel up to like this part, and then you know you can kind of see the the light at the end of the tunnel in a literal sense, but like I would not go across that thing. Like, <laughs> is, there, is there a way down? Can we go back to that station and get some pythons and climb up? Like, yeah, like Roland spends a long anything. time thinking about how bad it is, and then it's like, <laughs> hey, let's go. <laughs> Like he he pauses and thinks like you know he gives himself this one final ultimatum like hey we could go back you know there's no reason we have to do this now I could train Jake up but he knows he's lying to himself he's gonna cross that fucking bridge yeah I mean it, it's this chapter right where where he thinks about uh, how much more convenient it would be if Jake was just dead <laughs> I mean, that might be this whole book. Well, I think there's like a specific, yeah, a specific yeah. moments where he's thinking about it. Yeah, he he just wants to get to the part where the kid's gone. He's like, well, if to... I just if I just killed him, oh um... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I mean, to, to to be fair, the you know Jake, I about said the kid. Uh, J- <laughs> Jake also thought about cutting his head off with a shovel when he when he yeah. was you know nearly dead at the way station. So tip mm-hmm. for tat. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Um, I don't know how to read this game of Simon Says because Jake is lighter and he can find sure footing and all of that. Um, but <laughs> there's a, like, this is probably the most antagonistic game of Simon Says that has ever been played. <laughs> and and rightfully so, like considering the stakes. <laughs> like he's, you know, I mean, Jake is, I've, I don't want to say he's like consigned to his fate at this mm-hmm. point, but this like he's real pissed off about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I see the light, so one of us is one. I'm gonna fucking die. I just know it. Yeah. If, so I, you know, maybe I can get out of it if you if you decide to play this stupid game with me, yeah. or I can trick you to actually go back. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, there, there's a a real hokey line that I don't quite know how to read, but. Um, <laughs> Roland says, are you over? And Jake replies, yar, but it's very rotten. Like the ideas of certain people, maybe. <laughs> and, 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 then he, and then he goes on to say, like, oh, you know, like, it'll support me, but not, not you. So you better go back, obviously, to be eaten by the mutants. Um, 
<laughs> like like the ideas of certain people. Oh, it's rotten. Like the philosopher or the priorities of someone who would leave me for dead, huh? <laughs> yeah. Or the man in black. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure how Roland took it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like how he says, like, the ideas of certain people, like, they've been around anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) He's talking about court and the brutality that he instilled in his trainees. Or that dust mummy back at the subway. Oh, shit. Yeah, that guy was a fuck. (laughs) He had some bad ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, But they've got this kind of, like, game of back and forth here before... The light at the end of the tunnel goes out. There's a silhouette. The man in black is standing at the mouth of the tunnel of the tunnel. And in the most hilarious incantation for a magic spell that ever happened, I can assume he says, hello, boys. And then the bridge starts to collapse. Yes, it has to be in a like sort of a, like Charles Nelson Riley voice. I was twisting my glasses there. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, it came across. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like he does this and then just boom you know with like nothing changed like they're like both of them were standing in the same place the bridge starts going down and the action's a little bit like vaguely described here and for for some reason i think in my head for like maximum drama i thought that it was the case that like roland had caught jake and like was holding on to him but knew he had to let go to proceed because that's that's what would happen in like the hypothetical movie version of this, but like, no, like <laughs> this starts happening. Roland just bolts and he starts running up <laughs> toward the man in black and doesn't like, doesn't give any heed to like to Jake. Like Jake is way back in the mist at this point. Yeah. He, I mean, he gives him like two seconds. Of, <laughs> uh, well, uh, like two thought seconds, you yeah. know, uh, where he's just like, ah, I could save him. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> and then, and then he looks it seems like he makes a, a giant leap for the the wall while yeah. the rest of it falls apart yeah uh, brian steven like how did how did you guys read this well the way i remembered it it was the way you're describing it that he's actually holding on to him um so coming back and reading it now i was, I was like oh wow yeah he doesn't really think about it for too terribly long and he's like peace and then jumps it's <laughs> like oh, and like and that actually kind of adds a little more to the the whole idea that you know Roland is a really bad guy, yeah. <laughs> like he's not good. Yeah, person. I mean, one of his goals is within reach. He's gonna go for it over this this you know hawk esque boy who's been following him around. Um, I this entire the entire book, honestly, like uh, not knowing much about the series, not knowing who Jake was, uh, his inclusion felt a little ambiguous until about. This scene right here, this is where Jake as a character really started to make sense what King was going for Hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. No, I, I didn't mean I didn't mean to catch off with my with my sharp and, and take a breath. <laughs> Jake is kind of poorly drawn until uh, until the stakes are until the stakes are raised literally to the point where he is he's about to die. His inclusion mm. is just like his involvement is so great in the story that it like it felt you know there is a greater purpose, but it just feels so empty until you get to here, basically. Mm-hmm. And even at this point, like his purpose isn't even really you know we don't actually know the role that Jake is going to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, but we do we, we do know at least that. the emotional role that he played to mm-hmm. Roland yeah. as of now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and like Roland's kind of a chicken shit about this too. Like he, you know, as he's, as he's going along, he has this moment where he wishes he was, uh, Janus or Janus, you know, the two face God, mm -hmm. you know, one face in one world, one face in the other. Um, and like, as this is kind of sinking in, as he kind of like wishes he could go back, I just want to read, read this because like it, it it's, it's a really good passage. Um, but it, it it's 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 a little intense. It came to him that there would be further degradations of the spirit ahead uh, that might make this one seem infinitesimal. And yet he would still flee it uh, down the corridors and through cities from bed to bed. He would flee the boy's face and try to bury it in cunts and killing only to enter one final room and find it looking at him over a candle flame. He had become the boy. The boy had become him. He was become a werewolf of his own making. In deep dreams, he would become the boy and speak the boy's strange city tongue. This is death. Is it? Is it? Like, again, this is the, this is another uh, one. And he's been tormented <laughs> by the faces. Like, even in this very chapter, he is tormented by the faces of people he has left behind. And here is, mm -hmm. here is the most striking one of all. Boy, that's a that's a real good series of sentences right there. Um, <laughs> except for the except for the small phrase "cunts and killing" right in the middle there. Yeah, yeah. which is just you really you couldn't do another take on that one, King. Yeah, I mean, so I, just, uh, I feel like it it somewhat fits because the idea is that it's derogatory and it's supposed to be he's he's punishing himself. Yeah. I, I feel like that's kind of getting to to. The hatred that that maybe Roland is is running from yeah. and fair yeah that's very fair. it's it's also a description of exactly what he's what he did in the first leg of this book yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you know it, it it is it is self-loathing and they even call you know like like later he even calls it like a monstrous self-loathing that he has for this yeah and then he gets to the, he gets to daylight you know he sees the tracks you know like fade into nothingness under the light of the you know, day and sense really. And there's the man in black. Again, he misses these 12 shots, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you no more kill me than you kill yourself. Come, come, come mother. May I? Yes, you may. Yeah. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time we actually get some FaceTime with the man in black, right? There was a little but, bit at the bit at the end of the last chapter too. Oh yes. You're yeah. right. There was, he's in the mouth. Uh, but man, those are those, few lines that they give him those packs and punch i love them mm -hmm. uh he's got he's just such a he's got a way of speaking that uh like it's very specific and i can i feel it's him before like it even says the tag like the man in black <laughs> says or anything you know it's just uh i don't think king uh necessarily gives everybody a very distinct way of speaking all the time but the man mm -hmm. in black has one and i yeah. love that yeah there's For a sure. there's a glee, you know. It's 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 almost uh, like Joker like. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. kind of sing song. Oh yes, mm -hmm. very much. Yeah. Um, and I think I think like in a can we get metatextual for a second? Yes, you can. All right, you know how I love this this <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> this presents us the reader at this point uh, an opportunity to be like Roland, and we've been tantalized by secrets. Uh, up to this point in the book, and can we proceed uh, with Roland and choose to uh, follow him in his journey, or do we turn our backs against this terrible man? 
<laughs> and decide to close the book forever. Yeah. Uh, deciding that uh, perhaps getting what we want isn't necessarily what we want. Yeah. Is there uh, like, do, do, do we see any room for redemption on this, on, on this path that he's on after we, after we see this, you know, this, the, the, this terrible act that he's done more, ter- more terrible than in any of the others that we've witnessed so far. Yeah, it's it's hard to say because like you don't know why he's chasing the man in black except that he wants answers and then presumably there's you know when I first read this I thought it was kind of a bounty thing and this man in black is definitely evil and he's not great but like for what he's done so far that you've been aware of it's pretty pretty minor when compared to uh killing an entire town and then uh befriending then murdering a boy. <laughs> It's uh like like this <laughs> this truth that he's looking for is getting really really expensive. Right. Yeah. Even if you put aside the years and years and you know indeterminate amount of time that he has kind of like given over to this mm-hmm. single-minded task. I don't know. And then, you know that that that's going to be a theme throughout the entire series up until the very end even is, you know, is there room for Roland to become a human? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> is, I, is, is, is that incorrect or is it? <laughs> I think that he proves that he can't. <laughs> it's just over and over. I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to give them some hope. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. At the end of the last book, he turns into a slow mutant, and then you finally realize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Listen. He was a ghost the entire time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so final thoughts about this chapter. I think that this is the best chapter of the book. I got really lucky. I picked a random one to be on an episode for. This mm-hmm. was a, a very good chapter. It was very compelling all the way through. And every single revelation was actually quite welcome. Yeah. Um, Steven, how about you coming back to this um, after a little uh, bit? I, for, I completely forgot about the uh, the flashback uh, uh, scenes. I, For whatever reason, I thought that they, uh, that they take place in another book where he talks about uh, training with court and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I don't know why I misplaced that uh, in the timeline. Um, but yeah, I think that this chapter is really uh, kind of awesome. Like there's so much going on for like – I mean there's, there's a huge um, – scenery shift in the in the chapter before this where they come from the desert into the mountains and then it's just this is just literally just darkness but so much is packed in here and this is the culmination and uh kind of the you know the penultimate uh meeting for this book of roland and the man in black also um this is just a little tidbit that i completely forgot i was looking at my personal notes and uh in that flashback court refers to roland's friends as uh ca babies yep <laughs> and all i can think of is Muppet babies, <laughs> but with guns and it's really funny <laughs> so, so just another flashback to when they were preschoolers <laughs> yeah but they're all wearing the same exact clothes just real tiny baby versions of oh god yeah just like little like little overalls yep yeah Throwing stuffed hawks at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Dave. Hi, David. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Uh, the uh, bobbies. They, they, they pronounce it like the how is Bobby formed, um, yeah. uh, which is which is always funny. Uh, uh, again, they're trying to get across the dialect, but I cannot not hear that as a caveman. 
Um, yeah. yeah, the uh, the 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 flashback is a, is a is a really good thing. And coming back to it, I realized, oh, this is this is actually like an origin story on a bunch of different levels, and it's not tedious like mm-hmm. an origin story ought to be. Like, yeah, I went through it. I already know what this is, and it still carries enough of the weight. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. How, how, yeah, it's, good. it's pretty remarkable that like uh, you know to to give a little little credence to to Stephen King like that he took a two week long uh, journey through a, the darkness and made it really really fascinating. <laughs> um, I don't want to go to that cave ever, no. but uh, but I was really glad to hear about it. It's a real rough neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And any any final thoughts about the about the chapter at uh, large, Britain? Yeah, I think that this is like. I, you know, it's a lot of setup. You're dealing with a lot of setup up until this chapter. And this chapter feels like a very meaty, plot driven, like, and world building chapter. Um, it's, you get to learn about the um, Roland's past more than, than really before. There's like dribs and drabs, but, uh, and then you get to see Jake kind of fleshed out as a character more and Roland fleshed out as, as a character and, and to really see the kind of amorality mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's a fantastic chapter. Yeah. Cool. Well, next time we're going to be talking about chapter five of, uh, of the gunslinger, the, the gunslinger and the man in black. Uh, it's not a very long chapter by page count, but it's very dense because it is mostly dialogue and exposition, um, and a lot of it's relevant, although, you know, given that it is a conversation with the man in black, there is some obfuscation there. Um, and, uh, uh you'll, you'll find out who we're joined by there later. I have to get over that instinct of saying who's going <laughs> to join us on what, um, uh, as a program, you know, after that, uh, you know, before we get to the, uh, the drawing of the three going to do a, a short episode, uh, covering the eyes of the dragon. Um, that is a, a Stephen King book that, uh, um, gets a little bit more context in book number two. Want to try doing that, like bringing in some uh, some of the extra, some some of the non Dark Dark Tower books that link back into it. Uh, in this case, giving a little bit more um, history on the Man in Black, uh, just a bit. Mm. Um, and I don't know if we're going to have anybody because that is a kind of an obscure Stephen King book that's really hard to get a hold of. So that might just be like a like like a short solo sode, or we can find somebody to uh, to hop in on that. We will see, but then we're going to pick up with uh, with the drawing of the three. Somebody was about to speak. Yeah, Cole, I, I saw on Amazon they have the like uh, Charlie the Train books. Are you guys gonna <laughs> yeah. or book? I should say, are you gonna cover that as well? Ah, that might be pretty good. <laughs> that might be pretty good to do. I need to order that actually. Um, my, my Amazon suggestions are going to be nothing but Stephen King. Some people in the Slack channel actually were uh, were were talking about that and posting some of the illustrations, which are properly upsetting. Oh man, that smile is so good on that. I guess the yeah, the line on it is like we all float down here, which is like (laughs) yeah, I'll just order that so it so it arrives by this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're gonna do like so just for people because we mentioned the comics so much um, in this chapter that was heavy on Roland's past. uh, We're gonna talk about at least the ones that are original content um, between um, both books four and the Win Through the Keyhole. And the went through the keyhole and book five. So mm-hmm. we're going to like because because four and went through the keyhole are like kind of like flashbacks. I'm going to try and sequence those in the order that they might have happened, so we can kind of like follow what happened to roll in between between Gilead and uh, um, Mahis, and uh, and then ultimately where he ended up in uh, mm-hmm. Little Sisters of Illyria and the uh, and the Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's go through here. Uh, tell people where you where they can be found. Braden, where can you be found? Oh, uh, you could you can check out either old uh, episodes of The Pitch, which is a podcast I do with uh, uh, Duck Feed alum Gary Butterfield. Um, and uh, in that, we talk about weird <laughs> products that we make up to solve problems people don't really have um, <laughs> or you can keep up with our current podcast which is uh, teenage dirt bags which is a music video review and goof around session uh, podcast <laughs> and you can find me on twitter at brayton jc uh but i i tweet like once a month so mm. you know don't expect a lot yeah <laughs> um but both of those shows very very heavily recommended very highly recommended um, let's see here, Brian. How about you? Well, you can always find me on the Duckfeed Slack, so there's a first plugs for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if you want to check out some of my fiction writing, I do some comic work and some short fiction stuff on my Tumblr, bdmay.tumblr.com. And I'm also the host of Mega Ten Marathon, a uh, Watch Out for Fireballs light show where we uh, go through the Mega Ten SMT games and uh, do basically a let's play play by play. So People don't have to play those old, grindy Japanese RPGs. <laughs> you are doing a service, <laughs> my <Yeah>. friend. <laughs> and, uh, Stephen, how about you? Um, well, I, um, I have the uh, the podcast platformers where me and a couple of my roommates we get together and we just kind of talk about the games we've been playing that week uh, and maybe some news concerning uh, the different consoles. Um, I just started a podcast with Jeremy Greer and uh, Chris from Chomp Chain Podcast called Monster of the Week, where we're chronicling all of supernatural so a little bit uh, lower bar of quality there but you know we try to make it fun <laughs> come on yeah. don't sell yourself short yeah. already <laughs> oh, i'm so i'm selling supernatural short it's oh, oh okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and on twitter i am at from soft junkie awesome um, if you want to support this show and others like it, I probably said this at the beginning, uh, patreon.com slash duckvtv um, is how this and a bunch of other shows are possible. I appreciate everybody's support. Um, thank you to the Assemble panel for uh, making the time to come on. I've had a wonderful um, evening talking about this great chapter with you. Uh, and until next time, long days and pleasant nights. Maybe you have twice the number. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I need to go because I need to prepare for that call with Singapore tomorrow with the entire yeah, nation of Singapore. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. My call with China was literally everyone, and you could not get a word in address. <laughs>